Father, we just thank you today that you're in this place. Uh, we give you praise and we give you glory. And we ask that, Spirit of God, that you would have your way in Jesus' precious name. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. And we ask the Spirit of God, have your way. Have your way in this place, Lord. Thank you, Father. Could you just lift your hands and say, Lord, speak to me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, we're starting a, a two-week series today, and it's called The Anointing is Enough. Amen. Uh, Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27, and it says, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Here we go. Isaiah 10 verse 27, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil amen and i believe the anointing oil is symbolic of the anointing and most of us would quote it as the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing and so again exactly what is the anointing because i appreciate that many times we use terms in church that may be new uh, and uh, to you and that you may not necessarily understand um, it, you know if you haven't been a believer for that long but in the bible to to anoint essentially meant to smear with oil and and so it was this idea of being uh, con uh, you know consecrated or set apart you know old testament prophets would pour oil on the head of a king when he was being coronated um, uh, you know oil was used um, you know in religious ceremonies in in dedicating uh, people to the lord it was the idea of a person or a place being dedicated or set apart for god's holy use and so you know, with this anointing comes an element of divine empowerment, protection, and blessing uh, to accomplish a task, a service, or a ministry for God. And, you know, the term anointing originates, um, you know, with Middle Eastern shepherds, uh, you know, whose, whose sheep were being tormented by lice and by insects, and so they would anoint or pour oil on the head of that sheep so that it became too slippery for a lot of these things to, to climb up them, and it would bring them peace. And so too, in the same way, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of the devil in our lives. And, you know, the reality is we can look around us and society we see people with all sorts of yokes and and bondages um, you know yesterday we were just going through a drive through and there was a young a young lady and she was so out of it she was staggering around and uh, you you could see that she was just uh, you know so high on on drugs and you know there's people who are yoked to alcohol you know there's, there's people who are yoked to, to perversion and and you know to all sorts of immorality uh, you know we're living in a day where we see these yokes so evident and you know I believe it's time for us as the church to press in and to you know to possess that anointing that God has for us to set the captives free amen because that's what Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel and you know again maybe uh, somebody may be watching today or are sitting here today and say pastor John why do you always get so loud I don't know uh, it's just the way God made me but you know when the the anointing of God hits your life.
Amen. When God's anointing touches you, you can't remain the same. Amen. And you know, you listen, I, this week I was at an Irish match with my little boys. We went to a soccer match and um, there was 25,000 people there. And you know what? I, I was struck by how conservative I was compared to so many others because people were dancing, they were shouting, they were singing, they were excited. And suddenly, you know, we come to church and people try to make you feel like you're weird just because you get excited about God. Listen, I'm excited I'm not going to hell. Glory to Jesus. I'm excited that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that I'm washed in the blood, that heaven is my home, and that, you know what? no matter what we experience in this life, the best is yet to come. Could somebody say, amen? amen. Glory to Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. How, how many of you feels good to be around people again? Glory to Jesus. Amen. Glory, you know, we had, we had the best part of the year where we're in here, we're speaking to empty chairs. So, glory to Jesus. You know, every one of you today are an answered prayer. And you know what? God's going to fill the rest of the chairs as well in Jesus' name. Amen. So anyway, there's this, this realm of, of divine empowerment that comes on us through the anointing. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. So it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. And this is a lesson we must learn in these days that we are in. We need to flow in the anointing. We need to be doing things in in God's strength, not in ours. Because when you're doing it in God's strength, you're not going to burn out. You're not going to fade away. Amen. In Jesus' name, you're just going to get stronger. Glory to God. Just like Caleb. You know, Caleb, I believe, is, is symbolic of somebody operating under the anointing. He's in his 80s, and he still has vision. He still has strength. He still has passion and boldness. And he said, give me my mountain. Come on, is there anybody here today is saying, you know what? In Jesus' name, give me my mountain. I'm going to possess in Jesus' name the promises of God. I'm going to take my destiny. You're not going to take it without the anointing. Amen. And so anyway, um, by my spirit, says the Lord, you know, even in the Old Testament, God was saying to us, the anointing is enough. Amen. Just turn to somebody today and say, the anointing is enough. Glory to God. Amen. So, you know, if God was saying that in the Old Testament, how much more um, uh, can we in the New Testament, um, who know Christ, experience the anointing for ourselves, uh, the anointing and the infilling of the Spirit of God? Because, again, it is He who will anoint and empower us, you know, to do the will of God. He empowers us to do God's will and God's work. Um, Psalm 45 and verse 7 and it says, <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. Psalm 45 and verse 7, speaking of Christ, it says, uh, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your uh, companions. So the Bible says that Christ was anointed with the oil of gladness. And so, you know, I can tell if the Spirit of God is working in a person's life, you know, um, if, they, if they have joy. I mean, I'm not talking about, there's a difference between joy and somebody being drunk or somebody being high. You know, there's, there's a joy you can only get from God. And, but you know, don't tell me you're full of the Holy Spirit and you walk around, uh, you know, uh, looking like somebody died all the time. 
You know, you're just a killjoy. You walk into a room and suddenly the temperature drops. You know, it's like, it's like the grim reaper walked into the room. Don't, don't, don't think you're, you're full of the Holy Spirit if you're like that. The Bible says even Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy. And you know what? We need to be joy bringers. You know, we need to be bringing the joy of the Lord. We need to be bringing some happiness and, and some positivity wherever we go because we're connected to God and there's no one more positive. There's no one more powerful. There's no one greater than the Lord. We're connected to heaven and so I believe we can change the environment that we're in. Amen? But the, we need the anointing to do it. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Amen? And so, um, thank you Jesus. Um, uh, would, would the ushers just mind moving that back a little bit? I like to see people's eyes when I'm preaching. Um, I like to see the white of your eyes. Beautiful painting by Melena on the anointing. But, uh, uh, you know, it says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Okay, so, and it says he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. So, again, I don't buy into this ideology that says, you know, that, that healing isn't for us today. That God somehow wants you sick. That he somehow takes pleasure from your suffering. No, he is a good God and he loves you and he wants you well. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Glory to Jesus. This is the promise of God. And so, when we connect with that anointing, we connect with the healing power of God. And so you don't need to bring somebody, you know, for me to lay hands on them. You can lay hands on them yourself. If you're a believer, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, dare to lay hands on people and pray for them in Jesus' name. Amen. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing. So in God's eyes, healing is good. Amen. Healing is good. So God anointed Christ for his eternal purposes, and if Christ needed to be anointed how much more do we and yet in many instances it seems like the church doesn't value or even understand the anointing amen and because let me say this there's a big difference between enthusiasm and anointing Uzzah discovered that to his pearl. You know, 2 Samuel chapter 6 talks about this. You know, that they wanted to bring the, the uh, ark of God back into the, um, uh, David wanted to bring the ark uh, in, into Jerusalem. And um, it says here in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 1, we have the story here of a young man named Uzzah. And it says, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people who were with him from uh, uh, Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, amen. Even in the Old Testament, we see types and shadows of, of the name. Glory to God, there is power in the name of Jesus. Just say that name today, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful to hear people's voices again? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It's beautiful. But it says, who is called by the name, and it says, the Lord of hosts who dwell between the cherubim. So they set the ark, and the, the anointing is always associated with the presence of God. Amen. So if, 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 if you want the presence of God in your life, you need the anointing of God in your life. 
And it says, so they brought up the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Aminadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Aminadab, drove the new cart. You know, David didn't get an old cart, he got a new one. It, it was a great idea, but how many of you know there's a big difference between good and God? Too many times we go after good ideas instead of God ideas. It was a good idea to bring the ark to Jerusalem, but God is a God of order and he has a, a way of doing things and, and we must understand what his word says, okay? So if you want to be blessed, do things God's way, amen? And so, you know, it's like that couple, you know, get, get, getting married. This is God's way. If you want God's blessing, you know, get married before you have sex. Somebody say Amen. Before you, before you shack up with Billy Bob, get married in Jesus' name, amen? So I'm just saying, it's important. Do things God's way and you'll walk in God's blessing because God is a God of order. And so here they put it on the ark and um, it says, Then David and all the, um, uh, the house of Israel played music before the Lord and all kinds of instruments and mu music on harps and stringed instruments on tambourines. Um, and on cisterns, on cymbals. And when they came to uh, Nikon's threshing floor, Uzzah put his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. You know what? It was inevitable the oxen would stumble because it was never God's ordained plan. If you read the Old Testament, you know, in Numbers, it, it, it clearly um, uh, shows that uh, the, the sons of Korah were to carry uh, the, the ark on their shoulders with the poles that would go through the rings that were on the ark. It was never, uh, God never mentioned putting it on a cart. And too many times we come up with all sorts of good ideas and we ask God, please bless this idea. But you know what? God will never bless your idea. And this is the difference. When you discover the will of God, God's will is already blessed. You don't have to ask him to bless it. Amen. And this is why if we will simply do things God's way, we will walk in God's blessing. And here it says they put it on, a, on an ark. Uh, uh, they put the ark on the cart. This, the oxen stumbled and this young man put his hand out to touch the ark and uh, we know what happened next. It says that God struck Uzzah and he died. And it says, verse uh, 7, Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and the Lord struck him um, uh, for his error and he died there before the ark of God. And you know, I mean, it seems quite harsh because Uzzah was trying to do a good thing. He was trying to stop the ark from falling off the cart. But you know what? The reality is it should never have been there in the first place. And so he meant well, but he wasn't anointed to carry the ark. The sons of Korah had been anointed to carry the ark. And, and, and let me say this, he died sadly before his time. And you know what? To be honest, it is not wise to insist on doing tasks you're not anointed for. That is a good way to die young. And I'm not trying to be melodramatic, and I'm not trying to put pressure, I'm just simply saying, I believe that is a good way to die young because just because you can preach or because you can sing doesn't mean that you are meant to. Um, listen, I've been around this long enough to see so many people who insist on inflicting their gift on the rest of the body. You understand? They might be able to carry a tune, but they can't really sing. 
All right? They might be able to put a message together, but they're, they're not anointed, and that's why you fall asleep when they preach. Okay? I'm just simply saying is, in this day and age, as the church, we need to start getting plugged into what we have been anointed for, what God made you to do. Because just because you can do something doesn't mean that you're mental. Okay? And so, in this message, I hope to share with you some secrets to connecting with the specific anointing that God has for your life. 1 John 2 and verse 20, and it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And um, so, uh, again, it doesn't mean that you're a know-it-all. It just simply means that you have an anointing. And if you will connect with that anointing, you will be successful, you will be blessed. And this is the tragedy. There's so many people live and die without ever connecting with the anointing that God has for them, without ever singing their song, without ever releasing the gift that God has placed on the inside of them because they ended up doing what other people wanted them to do as opposed to what God had called them to do. That's a good place to say amen. amen. You know, as a young teenager, I was just born again. I was meant to take over my father's garage and, and be a salesman with my, my dad. And, and, and uh, you know, I love my dad and I love cars. I still love cars. But you know what? There's something on the inside of me saying that this isn't for you. There was something on the inside of me saying, you're called to preach the gospel. And, you know, it didn't seem possible. It didn't seem plausible. It didn't, it, you know, it... it, it, it I really didn't understand how would it ever come to pass. And yet, you know, here I am today because I said yes to the call of God on my life. And so, again, I believe this is one reason why people die young because they're dissatisfied, they're miserable because they're, you know, like a square peg in a round hole. And so, again, Uzzah touched the ark of God and as a consequence of, of things not being done in God's ordained order, he missed out on the blessing that God had for him. And so, anyway, it's says you have an anointing from God. Uh, every one of you today, turn to your neighbor and say today, you have an anointing. You know, you know, like I said, some of you have an anointing to, to just minister comfort and, 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 and minister to people in their brokenness. Others, you, you know, you have an anointing to, to win souls. We're all called to win souls, but some people are anointed. Some of you are anointed maybe for worship, or some of you are anointed for business. This is the day and age where I believe God wants to raise up men and women in the realm of business, in the realm of politics, in the realm of, of, of academia, men and women who fear God. Come on! Because as we've seen over the last year and a half, where so many well-meaning, good-intentioned people conspired to essentially put us into an open prison, I think this is important to understand. We need some men and women who are going to say, well, hold on a second. Instead of this suffocating consensus where, you know, unless you have the right opinion, you are chucked out of polite society. No, I think we need some Christian politicians. We need some Christians in all of these realms. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, um, I couldn't think of a better person to start our study with than Samuel, God's anointed prophet. And so I'm going to read a, a few lengthy chapters here that will just give us some perspective and we'll move from there. First Samuel chapter 2 and uh, verse 11. I don't have time to go into, um, you know, chapter 1, which is the story of Hannah, mighty woman of faith who had a burden and she prayed and God granted her prayer. 
And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful uh, story, but she dedicates Samuel to the Lord. You know, the interesting thing is, is she pours out her heart to the Lord. She has a burden to be a mother, and... Um, and that's a beautiful thing. And you know, verse 10 of, of chapter one, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she made a vow, said, O Lord God of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor will come upon his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her, her voice was not heard. And again, I know I've read this passage so many times over the previous months, but I believe God is bringing us as the body to a deeper place of prayer. I believe we're going to be praying like never before. We've been having powerful times in prayer on a Wednesday night. I encourage you to come. Come and pray and lift your voice to the Lord. But I believe prayer is going to change this nation. Prayer is going to, prayer is going to change our, our, our situation. Amen. But this woman knew how to pray. She pressed through in prayer. And it says, then Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, Oh no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. You know what the secret to breakthrough is? Pour out your soul to the Lord in prayer. Just like the message last week, uh, the cry of faith. There's something about the cry of faith. When God's people lift their voices in prayer, I, I believe it, it moves heaven, amen, and changes earth. And so anyway, um, she said, do not consider me a wicked woman for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I've spoken until now. Eli answered and said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant you your petition that you have asked of him. And um, so she went her way and ate and her, voice was no, her, her face was no longer sad. And so again, the burden lifted. She'd been fasting, she'd been praying, but the burden lifted and she was able to go back to life. You know, read on further. She conceived and had a son and... Um, and she, she, when the child was weaned, which was somewhere between five, you know, it could have been as young as three or four, could have been five, six, something like that. But it was a, he was a young child, Samuel. She brought him to the temple. And I love uh, this, this verse here. As your soul lives, my Lord, verse 26, I'm the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed. Amen. And I tell you something, we need to be praying for our children. We need to be praying for our children in Jesus' name. And if you don't have children, pray for somebody else's. Pray for the children. Pray for the next generation because the devil is doing his best to destroy them. To destroy them by, by, by planting all sorts of seditious and, and malevolent um, uh, you know, ideas and philosophies in their, in their young and impressionable hearts. Amen. But you know what? We're going to stand in the gap for the next generation in Jesus' name. Amen. That our children are going to grow up and they're going to be mighty in the land. Amen. And so anyway, she said, for this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition which I've asked of him. Therefore, I've lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord and they worship the Lord there. And so here Hannah dedicates Samuel um, uh, to the Lord. It's a very powerful moment where she releases her little boy. I mean, what what sacrifice this was for her to bring her little boy but you know she was a woman of her word and she followed true on what she had promised to the Lord now verse 11 it says Elkanah went to his uh, of chapter 2 Elkanah went to his house at Ramah but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest 
Verse 12, now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And, and here we, we see that, um, uh, you know, in, instead of regarding the, the uh, order um, it, that was there, that the meat was to be boiled first, they would take the meat when it was raw. If the people didn't want to give it, they would take it off them by force. And, um, and so, uh, verse 17, therefore the, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. And, and again, this is why the Bible says in Timothy, it says, be an example to the believers in faith and purity. Uh, you know, we're to be an example. And remember, uh, there are people who are watching you. They may, not have, uh, they may not come to church yet, but they are looking at you, they are watching your life, and they want to see if, if your life is consistent with what you say you believe. And this is why it's important. But here, Eli's sons were hypocrite, they were corrupt, uh, they, they were sinful, and they were doing wrong. But it says, verse 18, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. And I believe there's so much we can learn about the anointing by studying the life of Samuel. If you want to understand the anointing, look at Samuel. You know, look at little Jonathan there, your little kid on the camera this morning. Praise the Lord, look at that, look at that, come on. Thank you, Jesus. You know, uh, the, the, the young man Ovi over our media, uh, he had to go to Romania today. His grandmother died. But here we got a little kid. How old are you again? 13? 13 years old. And he's here, praise God, running a camera. Hey, I don't know how to work that camera, but he does. So, <laughs> glory to Jesus. Make me look good. Amen. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, it's, it says here that they were wicked, but Samuel ministered before the Lord as a child wearing a linen ephod. And it says um, uh, that, and moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it up to him year by year when she came up to her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Verse 21, the Lord visited Hannah because there's a principle of seed time and harvest. She sold a son and now she conceives and bears three sons and two daughters. And it says, meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. And um, it says, now Eli was old, uh, verse 22, and he heard everything that his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You know, there's nothing worse than the betrayal of trust. These men had been entrusted with a tremendous responsibility and privilege, and here they are betraying the trust of God and the people. And so he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, it is not a good report that I here you make the Lord's people transgress if one man sins against another God will judge him but if a man sins against the Lord um, who will intercede for him nevertheless he did not seek the voice of uh, the voice of their father did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them and you know there is such a thing as going too far and these men had crossed over the line you know the Bible says you might say oh the, Pastor John that's Old Testament we're under grace we can do what we want no we can't that's the dumbest idea I ever heard. If we would judge ourselves, we will not come under judgment. I believe in God's grace, but don't push God. Don't take the grace of God for, for, for granted. We, we must, listen, we must live a holy life. Our God is a holy God, and he said, be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. That mightn't be popular preaching, but that's truth. Hallelujah. 
And it says, a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt and Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give you the house of your father and all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourself fat with all the best of the offerings of the Israel, my people? Therefore the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed to your house and the house of your father, Father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. And here God warns Eli because Eli, you know, gives a very weak rebuke to his sons. He said, oh, why are you doing this? No, he should have removed them right there and then from their position. And, and so anyway, the, the prophecy goes on and he says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to all that is in my heart and my mind. I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And so, again, I know this is a lengthy passage, but I think this is so important for us to get context. And I have just one more passage to read here in chapter 3. And now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And the reason why was, I believe, because of the sin of this man. And, you know, the Bible says that... Um, you know, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And, and as a consequence of, of their sin, you know, the book of Sam says your sin has separated you from your God. You know, I, I believe we can see revival in our generation, but we have to deal with the sin in our hearts. We have to stop pointing our fingers at each other. And let me say this, I don't care whether you've taken a vaccine or not, could you please stop condemning each other? Let's just love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? Just respect the other person, whatever they feel to do. Because this is important. By, by this, all men will know you're my disciples by your love for each other. You know, over the last year, I've seen so much caustic, you know, aggressive behavior by believers that I love and respect online. And it's, it has to stop. Let's just give each other some grace and some respect. Amen? So anyway, it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. It came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim, he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, another symbol of the neglect of this man's ministry, because the lamp of God was never meant to go out. But anyway, it says, uh, it says uh, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you, called me. And he said, I did not call you, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Samuel's heart was tender before the Lord. This is why Samuel was anointed. He had a tender heart. He had a humble heart. He was hungry for God. He heard the voice of God and thought it was Eli. He goes to Eli. Eli is trying to sleep. And Eli said, no, I didn't call you. Then the Lord called yet again. Samuel, you know, isn't this beautiful that we serve a God who speaks? That we serve a God who can speak to us? Amen. That he can speak to you in your situation. He can minister to you right where you are. He knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And you know what? He doesn't need you to explain your problems to him. He knows them very well already. And you know, if we can just come to him in faith, you'd be amazed at how quickly you're going to see those mountains move. But anyway, it says, um, uh, uh, you know, he said, I, I, I didn't uh, call you. 
The Lord called him, Samuel. Samuel rose, went to Eli, said, Here I am, for you called me. And said, I didn't call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. It shall be if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel um, which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. I believe there's a parallel for the church today. There are many Elis in the church today and I have no intention of being one. There are many Elis. There are many of those who have pursued a, 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 a tangent that is either apostasy or going towards apostasy. Rejecting the truth of God regarding marriage, sexuality, gender, and all sorts of other principles and truths that have been laid out in God's word. Simply because it is no longer politically correct or socially acceptable. I'm not going to be an Eli. I want to be a Samuel. How about you? Let's stand for truth. Let's stand for truth in our generation. Doesn't mean we have to hate anybody. It just simply means we hold fast that which we have, that no one take our crown. We must hold fast to the truth of God's word. Even if our generation is becoming increasingly confused and depraved. I'm not a doctor. I didn't study biology, but I'm smart enough to know God made us male and female. And if you don't know, look at the first chapter of the Bible. It tells us. God speaks here to Samuel. He says, I will do something to make the ears of, of the nation tingle. For it says, in that day I will perform against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I've told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he holds because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Therefore I've sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down till morning, opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel, said, Samuel, my son, he answered, here I am. He said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from all the things that he said. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. People, we need to be people of God's word. We need to study his word. I encourage you, if you haven't been through Bible school, uh, Jill is over the Bible school. Give a wave there, Jill. You know, she, she, Jill and the, uh, we've other tremendously anointed Bible teachers. We don't charge anything for it. We want the bar as low as possible so that everyone can go. We do it on Zoom so you don't even have to go out after work. But it will bless your life. It will bless you and it will change your life. We must be a people that tremble at the word of God. And here it says, Samuel, let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. 
Thank you, Jesus. So I, 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 I haven't quite got through the introduction, but you know what? We, we'll see where we, we, where, we, where we end up with this. But you know, I just, I just wanted to kind of lay that out as, as the background for what we're going to be studying over the next few weeks. Because the question is this, why was Samuel anointed? What were the secrets to the special anointing that was on his life? Because it was clearly evident for all to see. Because again, chapter 3 and 20, And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. God used Samuel to lead and inspire a nation. Amen. And you know, if there was ever time that we needed to see, you know, God anointed men and women rise to positions of authority and influence and power, it's now. You know, like I said, uh, in Ireland, you know, uh, over the last year we had churches closed, abortion providers, betting shops, off licenses open. I believe this is proof that we need leadership. Okay, as a nation, we need to return to the fear of God because, again, when we consider abortion and alcohol more important than worshiping God, there is a problem. Public worship was banned for almost a year. And when we finally could meet, they told us you can't sing. Hell no. We're here to sing and worship the Lord. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As long as I'm breathing, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to praise Him. Does anybody feel the same way? Come on, just take a praise break for a moment. Come on, give it praise the Lord. <laughs> We need men and women who are anointed to lead. In the church, let me say this, we need men and women who are anointed to lead. Not just qualified to administrate or manage. We need men and women who are anointed to lead. Not just managers or administrators over a church. This isn't a business, this is a ministry. This is for God's glory. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Because the silence of many leaders over the last year in the face of what constituted totalitarian control makes the world doubt that we really believe the message that we preach ourselves. I appreciate COVID is awful and it is real, okay? But so is hell and there are multitudes who are going there and a, max, a mask or a vaccine won't stop them. Where is the urgency, church? Where is the urgency? We've been given the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You can be double vaccinated and still go to hell. You can wear 15 masks over your head and still go to hell. Can you understand? There is an urgency to the preaching of the gospel. We only have as long as this generation are here to reach this generation. I'm concerned that we need to get back to basics. And so now that we have the two services together, you know, let's get in gear and let's start to press forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Because the Bible I read says, I will build my church. Glory to God. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many of you know you are part of his church? Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to see God's glory in our time and in our generation. Hallelujah. I believe... I believe this, this is a time in history when we need to ask God for nations. Sam 2 verse 8, ask me, I will give you the nations. 
I think it's beautiful. We probably are somewhere in the region about 70 nations in this church. The thing that brings us together is not our color or our culture or our background or our language. It's Christ. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's keep Jesus at the center. Glory to God. And we're going to see the power of God demonstrated in Jesus' name. Because let me say this. The harvest is great. The laborers are few. And the time is short. The time is short. We do not know how long we have. And so, again, night cometh when no man can work. Let's use the time we have. Uh, I was so blessed. We had probably about 10 or 12 people went out in the street yesterday. I was tied up. I had to go minister to young men. But you know what? Hallelujah. It's so encouraging to see people, you know, who are getting the vision of winning souls. You don't have to go to the street. Just begin to shine the light wherever you go. You know, invite your friends, your family, or your neighbors. And glory to God, let's, let's see them come to church and get Get saved because Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, Matthew chapter 28. We are called to reach nations. We're called to shake nations. It truly is a great commission and we will not do it without the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. It doesn't say the yoke shall be destroyed because of your intellect or because of your wisdom or because of your charisma. No, for too long the church has operated on these things. We need to step into the anointing because there's a realm of power and influence and glory that we can see when we stop doing things in our ability and we start doing them in His. Glory to Jesus. Could somebody say amen? The anointing is enough. The anointing is enough. This is not a day for good ideas or inspirational little TED Talks that are void of conviction or Christ. We need God-touched men and women. Men and women that have been anointed. Men and women that have been in His presence. Men and women that have been on their knees. Amen? Hallelujah. This is so important. You know, they say David Livingston, when they found him, he was dead, but he was on his knees. You know, one of the disciples, I can't remember which one, they referred to him as, as camel knees. His knees were... We're, we're rough and, 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 and weathered like a camel's because he spent so much time on his knees. And, and, and so, again, I think that was James. But anyway, the anointing is enough. And, you know, there are many men and women in the Bible that I could focus on. There's tremendous lessons we can, we can learn from their lives. I didn't even get to my first point, but that's okay. Um, I, I think this is important. God wants to stir something in our hearts. And you know, there's, a, there's an anointing that we can connect with in this day, because let me say this, it's not an accident that you are here in this generation. God, the Bible says he changeth the times and the seasons. So God knew this was coming. So again, you don't have to wish you were living in the 1950s or the 1800s or any other generation. God has you here and now because he's anointed you for this. He has prepared you for this. He will work with you. He will use you. He will bless you. Amen. And this is why we don't have to fear. We don't have to be anxious because there is anointing that we can connect with in this day. So I want you to stand to your feet today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, there is an anointing. As the worship group come forward, hallelujah. We're, we're just gonna spend you know, a, a little bit of time before we finish. We have a little bit more time than we used to. And, uh, and that's, that's wonderful because you know, we can connect with the anointing just like you know, Samuel was a little boy. 
He was a little boy and he connected with the anointing of God for his life. God can put you where you need to be. God can put into your hands what you need. He can put you in the right place at the right time. God is a God who orders our steps. Amen. And so I just ask you today, don't disengage. Don't switch off. The Lord is going to do something in this place. Amen. There's an anointing here. There's an anointing here in this place right now. And you can connect with it if you are hungry. If you're not, you'll walk out and you'll have felt nothing and seen nothing and whatever. No, listen, don't give in to that cynicism. Amen. Don't, I'm, I'm not asking you to switch your brain off, but I'm just simply saying, the Bible says, with the heart, man believes. Amen. You see, God isn't going to minister to you through your head. He ministers to you through your heart. And I know there's people here today and you have a broken heart. Maybe you were betrayed or you were hurt or some things happened in your life. But I believe in God's presence. He can bring healing. He can bring deliverance. He can bring freedom in Jesus' name. Because the Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And we're just going to take a few moments to enter into God's presence and, and then we're going to pray over you today but uh glory to god we love you jesus we worship you lord we worship you lord could you just lift your hands to the lord as as we sing a a, a, a chorus in jesus name where are my worshipers come on come on guys praise you jesus praise you jesus praise you jesus praise you jesus, praise you, jesus.